morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Hangouts. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. My nose is itchy, so I'm rubbing the top rim of my nose because uh, the seasons are all weird in Los Angeles. They say it's only hot all the time, and that's 99% true. But then the other times, it gets cold for some reason, and it makes it, it makes it makes the, the world weird. It's like 50 degrees at night, which isn't that cold for people yeah. that are going to be like, oh, LA people. Are, I'm not saying it's that cold. Mm-hmm. But then in the morning when it's 90 degrees, it's very inconvenient. That's all I'm saying. But, you know, what's not convenient is is catching up on movies. That's not true. Sometimes it's inconvenient, but not for this show with my co-host, Gina Versa. Hello, this is uh, Gene. Good to uh, be here with you. It's been a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, we, we had a pretty busy October separately, but uh, mm-hmm. we got some good stuff going on. You've got some fun stuff coming up, too. I don't know if you want to hold on to that bullet. Oh, or, yeah, uh, I guess I can say yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, top of the episode plugs. Let's 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 plug stuff here. Go ahead. Yeah, I was uh, hired as an assistant editor at the new G four, so that was uh, that explains my absence because it's been really busy. I could talk about it now since it launches Tuesday, which of this time of upload would probably be tomorrow. So it's been very exciting there, kind of a dream come true. Very tiring, but. Yeah, everyone has been pretty nice to me, and uh, yeah, did uh, very happily report that. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And um, there's something else coming up at the end of the year mm-hmm. that uh, that you've got going on too for yeah. the, the LA locals. Yeah, we have LA Comic Con for serving up comics. We have a panel there, so it'd be fun if you could join. It's December third. We're getting our uh, panelists ready, so. Very exciting, very very nervous. No, no, not too nervous, but yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as you got the booster, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. But um, need to get that. Yeah, yeah. I will be uh, going back next year. I may swing by the panel to, to, of course, photograph the boys Mm -hmm. as as per usual. But um, yeah. So go go check that out if you're in the area that weekend. Yeah. Um. Let's see what, what else is going on. Uh, happy Amblin back in full swing. As of this crazy upload, nights. you'll be you'll be able to check out Eight Crazy Nights and The Goonies, which I'm not gonna lie that that double feature was. Uh, go check out the episode. It was yeah. it was it's definitely a dip in quality from what we're used to talking. Yeah. Is all I'll say. But um, feel- no, there, there's there's good stuff out there. That we, we talked about the the unfortunately controversial origins perhaps of punch drunk love which still remains one of my favorite films but uh some unfortunate stuff we got to talk about there Mm. but also good stuff ahead and uh the matrix is coming out we'll be talking about that on the retrospective surprise um and and matrix revolution resurrections excuse me we'll be talking Mm. about probably on here too just because it's the matrix and i want to talk about the matrix as often as possible whoa Uh, but for this episode, we're going to be talking about the stuff we missed over the month of October leading into November. Uh, basically, our favorite fall movies so far. Uh, we talked about the last time we were here, we, we did the live show. We talked about Venom, Carnage, right? Mm-hmm. We did one more after that. But like that's really kind of like the last thing we kind of touched base on. Uh, Gene, what have you been watching recently? I've been watching a lot of movies through uh, the AMC list, which is probably my only way of watching movies for... A little bit, but you know, it's been pretty uh, helpful with a busy schedule. Um, I saw the uh, Spencer, saw Spencer, which was 
pretty uh pretty well made i like that kristen stewart and the director which uh we're a fan of uh very very stressful movie you felt kind of the anxiety of uh poor princess diana but the ending i i love the ending it's just them uh her and her kids just getting i think it's like kfc kfc enjoying themselves not having to uh uh worry about those damn royals which are uh pretty uh pretty uh problematic it seems which we feel with uh, some other uh high level people they're just bothering too so yeah and then uh Soul Eternals which I really enjoyed yeah I, I really want to check out Spencer of course I love Pablo Lorraine uh he has a really interesting approach to biopics in that he keeps getting hired to make them and refuses to make like a normal movie each time, which is what I really appreciate about him. You know, like if anyone's ever seen No, it's a film about a, it's like basically a po- political revolution through like new media that actually happened in South America. Mm-hmm. And it's all shot on like shitty DV tapes in 2008 because mm-hmm. they try to make it look like it would have aired back like in the 90s or 80s when it first happened mm-hmm. and uh, it it's really good and he's just a really interesting director and yeah. uh, of course i love jackie so i'm really looking forward to spencer uh it'd be interesting if this is the movie that finally got kristen stewart her her academy award nomination you're saying it now i i hope so i i'm rarely wrong about these things i've noticed never doubt me um mm-hmm. i do have some doubt on whether or not i'd like eternals but uh, I love Chloe Zhao, so if there's enough of her in it, I'll probably like it. But well, I'll I'll see. All right, I'll see eventually. Let's, let's see, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see about that. So, um, recently I've watched uh, Midnight Mass, and I haven't really talked about it that much, but it's fantastic. It's it's like a, a drama series that slowly turns into a horror series mm-hmm. that that I I found really fascinating. Um, Maya and the Three on Netflix is maybe the best thing they've ever made, like or at least produced. It was it was made created by uh, Jorge R. Gutierrez and his wife. They basically been working on it for like the last seven years. Um, they also voiced the mother and father on the show, hmm. which is very sweet. And it's it's I don't know. It was really moving. I've kind of become very cynical when it comes to like representation in big blockbusters because like it's always like I, I i find it very calculated i guess i'll say a lot of the time whereas like something like black panther which is again from a big corporate studio that's trying to control everything i i think that does a good job of like like no it actually let like non-white people kind of shine in the roles a lot like african americans and and black people from all over the world shine in these roles and like tell a story to the best of their abilities within the confines of the marvel structure like mm-hmm. that that's good stuff yeah um maybe a more recent release i won't name i found a little more cynical in its approach about like oh these people have never starred in a big movie before and it's like that's not true um there's plenty of movies with asian people in the world mm-hmm. especially uh ones that do significantly better than in the states um but Maya and the three, I, I found very moving, like from like the opening images, I was like, oh, yeah, we don't have like a Mesoamerican like fantasy story for mainstream audiences. Like we don't see architecture and and uh, fables and, and culture like this, like 
for for uh, a family adventure series and it's only nine episodes um it is incredibly moving even apart from that i think it's it's super emotionally heavy so if you're mm-hmm. not like in a great place uh the emotional stuff sneaks up on you just know yeah. that i basically watched the last three episodes just like fighting back tears the whole time and it was incredible it, it might be the best thing i've seen all year it yeah. might be the best animated thing I've seen in a long time, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that really floored me. And I think everyone should watch it. You might think there's other stuff you should watch first. There's not. You should, you should go do this right now. Stop listening to this. Go. Get out of here. Go watch it. And um, Yeah, it, it, it's so fucking good. Something about the Netflix stuff, like their live action stuff is kind of struggling. But the animated stuff is just killer. Like, I know you and I don't care about League of Legends but a lot of people do. And so it got a, an animated series that is also supposed to be really good. And have you seen the trailer for that? It's called Arcane. No. Yeah. Um, it looks great. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is up with that. Uh, I, I don't know any contextual stuff. I just saw like the animation and I was like, this looks awesome. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, maybe that's Netflix's bread and butter, just doing like groundbreaking animation stuff. And I mean, yeah. Hey, that's how we got the Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio coming out next year. So, you know, just, just cool stuff out there. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I will say, before I bounce it back to you really quick, I think this year started a little rocky for movies and TV. Yeah, it wasn't really like a lot I was enjoying on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, yeah, we, we both love No Time to Die. We both had fun with Venom, too. <laughs> um and then just looking at my, I haven't made this public yet. I'll make it public at the end of the year. Cause I'm only going to really tally movies. I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at first until like September, it was like, I got like seven, eight, maybe nine movies I put on the list. And now like all the movies I really enjoyed, I'm up to like 27, like just okay. in the last two months alone. So there's good stuff out there, I think. And, and more than just the, the big budget stuff. Although that kind of, that, that's in here too. Don't worry. Yeah. But uh, Gene, what else you got for us? Well, I have uh, a few other films um, that I saw. I mean, besides uh, besides Eternals, I saw a nice Godzilla short, which was, I believe, produced by Toho, called Godzilla versus Hydora, where they bring back a lot of the old suit action. Um, I'm not sure if you, uh, you're, yeah, you're aware of Hydora, right? Ghidorah. Ghidorah. He's the smog monster. Yeah. Yeah, they had a short. It's called Godzilla versus Adorus on YouTube, and uh, it's uh, it, it was uh, at the, it was the 50th anniversary for uh, the film, and it's Godzilla versus the Smog Monster again, and they just fight, and it was just nice to see uh, that back, and it got some traction, and I believe it was at Godzilla Fest, which is I've never been, but I heard it's fun. So if you want to see two uh, two men in uh, monster suits fighting, I would recommend that, but. Yeah. yeah, that sounds great. Uh, Godzilla versus the Smog Monster is a monster versus the Smog Monster is one of the better Godzilla movies, I think. And I think it's it's a lot weirder than uh, you might be expecting from a Godzilla movie, mm-hmm. which is also why I love it because it's just like full on animated sequences in that one. Right. And it's very well, like it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, and it's very like ego conscious and like yeah, it fucking rocks that one. Like, I mean, we could have a debate about whether or not Godzilla is better suited to be like a, a good guy, a bad guy, mm-hmm. or just like a, an entity of nature. Yeah. But I think if you got like for Godzilla being like a good 
like a hero that's like the best one in mm-hmm. my opinion i, I yeah, think I that agree. one's that one's really special yeah good kids movie too i like that one growing up yeah i didn't watch it until i got older yeah. so it, i think it fucking holds up yeah <laughs> and then i was gonna go to bat for uh last night in soho which i really enjoyed from edgar wright it's so different it feels like it's not his movie but um feels like it's coming out from uh like some british uh 70s sort of scene and it feels very different i was uh really enjoying it um Anya is always great, but I enjoy uh, Thomas Thomason. Thomas and McKenzie. Thomas and McKenzie, who is an old and Jojo Rabbit, she's great. So that was uh, yeah, she's a pleasant person to uh, to watch, you know. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm not a Jojo Rabbit fan, but she's not my issue with the movie at all. None of the acting, really, except for maybe one. But I won't mm-hmm. mention it because people will yeah. get mad at me. Um, the uh i mean i thought the trailers looked like tons of fun i've been looking forward to it i haven't checked it out yet it seems to be incredibly divisive that film a little bit yeah there's some yeah. Uh, certain good critiques you know yeah there, so, there are people know, that like hate that movie and people that love like some people say it's edgar wright's best so that that tells me like at least it's going to be like worth checking out when the divide is that wide it's like okay you have to watch something like that yeah you know um, I really love the cinematographer he worked with on this, Chung Chung Hoon. He's a Park Chan Wook's guy, so he shot like Old Boy, uh, The Handmaiden. I believe he shot Old Boy actually. Don't don't hold me to that one, but he shot like The Handmaiden, um, which is fantastic. If you haven't seen it, it's on Amazon because him and Amazon have like a business deal, so they're going to work together at some point. Uh, uh, Stoker, which I believe is on HBO Max right now. Mm-hmm. um stoker is his first english language movie and it's amazing i haven't watched it recently i just really love the cinematographer's work so yeah. go, go like just track all of it down he's great mm-hmm. um and he also did uh it part one which i, oh, I don't okay. i don't really care for but that movie well, like the look of yeah, that movie is great it. yeah yeah it's pretty nice man. yeah so it's like he, he's a talented dude i'm looking forward to see what he could do with something so out of edgar white's uh wheelhouse i yeah. guess uh we also both saw titan or titan or whatever it's pronounced titan, as. i believe it's called yeah uh the french have weird names for stuff i think it even has a different name like internationally this is just like the american hmm. one so mm-hmm. i don't i don't know um yeah. it might just be like titanium maybe it's the french word for titanium but uh what did you think about it because I'm just going to gush about it. I've been gushing about it nonstop. So what did you oh, think? Well, at times it was a little hard to follow, but uh, I was mostly enjoying it. I thought it was visually interesting and uh, just unlike anything I've seen. So yeah, that's that's what I would say about it. But, you know, it's beautifully shot and uh, different and unique as a, you know, female storytelling. And, yeah, female director. So it was interesting, I would say yeah uh, i i saw it a, a little while back and then i i saw it again with with you and, and some mutual friends of ours and uh it was just it was really great to hear like the the reactions mm-hmm. of, of people like going from like haha too cool for this into oh oh damn yeah <laughs> oh whoa <laughs> yeah oh wow and like at the very least, it won everyone over to the experience of watching it. And it's like, that's really cool. That's why theaters rock mm-hmm. and they should never go away. No. Um, Keep they, uh, but yeah, I, I love, I love Titan. I love it so much. 
and it's it's definitely like a top five of the year for me situation easy right now yeah it's like if i had to do a top five right now it's probably like titan malignant uh actually no i'm not gonna name the other ones because i'm gonna bring them up anyways i guess maya and the three like if if i could like if i had the option to put them on letterboxd i'll just put them on there mm-hmm. like it's just easier for me to keep track of stuff that way i know people get weird about like if it's a mini series don't log it because it's cv and i'm like i don't know it's on there I'm just gonna yeah i, I think hmm. it's, it's like i mean for me it's also like a recommendation tool you know yeah it's like, okay i watched this and i liked it go watch it yeah <laughs> or i didn't like it but you should watch it anyways you know like you could i don't know that's that's like the benefit of letterboxd yeah um something else i really loved and this is a probably like the most niche thing i'll ever bring up on this show because this guy's films have been not really categorized like as as like essential viewing outside of one of his first which is uh, director Nobuhiku Obayashi's final film, Labyrinth of Cinema. Now, his most popular film is Hausu, House, the very mm-hmm. strange film that everyone appreciates now. Yeah, and you, you watch that movie, and it's like, oh, man, I wonder what else this guy's done. It's like, all his movies are like that. All his movies are very strange, and they play with, like, colors and format presentation. Uh, Labyrinth of Cinema is his last film. He finished two years. He died, at, like, like, after it was completed. Um, and he he knew he was going he was he was basically terminally ill in production in this film and uh you can kind of feel that because it feels like it's a movie like begging and pleading with the audience to like remain hopeful about the world and like it does it with the power of cinema (laughs) um it's three hours long and it's it's only kind of doing like uh like weekly venues in cities across the country right now so i got lucky enough to check it out i had to drive all the way into beverly hills for this um and i stayed for every second of it i didn't leave the theater till the lights went up and i'm not saying that like out of like solidarity for the director that i I never knew personally Mm -hmm. i was just very captivated by like every moment of it uh Was was he uh how long how long was it it it's three for... hours wow okay. and it it took me a minute to like really kind of keep up with it because you know you watch house and it's like it just keeps hitting you with shit all of his movies are like that ever since since i first saw saw house let me let me take a look let's see what, what have i seen from his because i'd recommend everything i've seen so hanagatami which is like five years old at this point um oh his motorbike her island might be his best film it's uh see if you could track it down on youtube frankly because all of this stuff is like really apart from house it's like either out of print or like just not been distributed properly so you, you this is a guy whose work you kind of have to like go out of your way to find but it, it's so worth it you just gotta like you have to be open to accepting that like we don't make movies like this over here you know like mm-hmm. house has a reputation for being very weird and like abstract like if you can get into that, I think you can get into the rest of his movies because Labyrinth of Cinema is probably like the best movie. Like Maya mm-hmm. and the Three might be my favorite. This is probably like right next to it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so fantastic. It's it's the most brief summation I guess I can make of like the synopsis is 
a a seaside village goes to the theater that's going to be shut down for one last showing and at the theater something happens and three of the the young men in the crowd wind up in the actual film that they're watching and it's a film both the film and the film within the film <laughs> is about like the history of japan and how fascism is always kind of on the rise if you're not careful like there's imagery of like a general or someone in the theater at all times like with a red glow over them and like that's that's always like right on our doorstep if we're not careful and it's always like kind of threatening like people and culture and society and how that's like that's been like a recurring thing and like keeps like allowing ourselves to be subjugated like that is like such a tragedy that like it literally reverberates throughout time and I'm, I'm, this sounds like a lot because the film is a lot, but it's so good. And it also opens with uh, a shout out to my boy from Buffy the Vampire Slayer oh, does from it? the musical episode. Oh, let, me, yeah. let me get this one right, because he was supposed to be in the film. And it opens with an image of this actor who, um, again, was supposed to be in the film. And uh, the, the, the voiceover is like, apologizing and saying that they wish they could have him in the film please come back to visit when you get the chance and like the credits are just like that they're just like talking to the audience which is why i probably stayed all the way through until like it was over over you know mm-hmm. um where is this guy okay i can't find the actor's name but he he's he's great and he he's that's not in the a, film, but oh, it, it's a oh, wild experience yeah is all that's- i'm saying Okay, well, it seems like it's tailor-made for you, for sure. Yes. Buffy. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it, the guy just gets a shout-out in the beginning and, like, at the end of the film, I believe, mm-hmm. about, like, come back and visit. We missed you. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was such an incredible experience. I don't, I don't, you don't get movies like that. And the fact that it was his last film makes it feel more special, but I promise the experience is worth it alone you just kind of just got to give yourself over to it whenever you check it out it's also available on movie right mm-hmm. now if you have a movie subscription it's like 4.99 a month it's super cheap you can get a free trial if, if you don't want to like continue it but please go watch it it's really remarkable you, you won't see anything like it for a long time probably <laughs> yeah but oh, um, what, what, what else you got <laughs> well uh, i was like well i have to check that out when i have uh three hours to kill yeah. it, so. <laughs> But um, yeah, last night in Soho, uh, excuse me, mm-hmm. <sighs> I was just checking my letterbox if anyone's uh, <laughs> noticing, but um, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I mean, uh, the Cowboy Bebop short <laughs> I saw and uh, made me pretty hyped up for uh, the Netflix, Netflix uh, show coming out. Yeah, let's talk about off. that. So. I yeah. love Cabo Bebop. I have not loved the look of this show. Okay. That first te- that that short you're talking about, the short teaser. Mm-hmm. I, I I was into it. I was super into it. Yeah. Um, because more again, like Labyrinth of Cinema, it played with like the format and presentation of what we like acknowledge as like television and film. Mm-hmm. And that's like super cool. It reminds me of like Speed Racer, you know? Yeah, it's very speed racer. Yeah, it's like don't you don't have to like just present something one way 
you know like i think francis ford coppola like talked about how this is like two decades ago at this point but he talked about how like you know we barely like scratched the surface of what we can do with cinema mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's so much we haven't even like uncovered and it's just super exciting to think about because now you see something like that and it's like fuck yeah like more of that the movie i mean the show could be terrible but if they keep doing stuff like that in the show like i think that's totally worth it you know mm-hmm. don't be a bummer there'll be t- tons of stuff to talk about with that show i'm sure for better or worse depending on how it goes um the cast is not people get weird about the casting i i think the cast is like perfect they're all they look fantastic um i think the costumes look kind of bad but whatever you know like again that's i i like the costumes it looks it looks so cheap i'm sorry uh, no i think you know they're 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 updating it like uh you know phasela because you know it's non non non-realistic or or um you know spike just looks very I, i don't know i think they're just trying to embody the cartoon um I mean, it's it's like how is it bad though? I think it, you know what? Sure, if if they're trying to capture again like a speed racer vibe, where like because that movie doesn't look realistic, and I'm not asking for this to look realistic, but I think because of the presentation on Netflix with like uh, the lighting and mm-hmm. like the, the the texture that they have to like package it with their 4K streaming stuff, yeah, it feels like they flatten the lighting a lot of the time, and so like that low contrast look makes it look like these people just walked in off the street from uh, LA Comic-Con, you know? And I don't think it works. I'm totally cool with the non I want it to be non-realistic. Okay. Because Cowboy Bebop is, like, a very stylized show. And it's also mm-hmm. very, like, moody and stuff. And I, that's why I fucking love it. Um, I, I would like the show, to the live-action show, to become something different. I, I, don't, I don't get the sense that they, uh, they really nailed that because of the confines of how they had to package it for netflix yeah but who knows maybe maybe it'll be better uh in in full motion but as it stands i i, I have not been a fan of, yeah of the look of that um but i think we're both excited for it regardless and like yeah. my fears aside like that teaser was like yeah fuck yeah mm-hmm. that's cool um yeah yeah but i don't know there's, there's cool stuff there that's yeah, all so. by the way the the actor's name from labyrinth of cinema who's not and labyrinth of cinema is hinton battle mm. yeah and he he was the bad guy in the buffy episode the musical episode hinton okay. battle yeah okay. great hinton. great performance well, um yeah i was no idea say, where he would want to fit in the film frankly yeah, I, um but the cowboy bebop will respectfully disagree with you so okay okay yeah right. yeah we will we will see because remember i am i i am correct 60 percent of the time today every time 60 percent of the time well um let's see what else before before we start wrapping this is a shorter episode today a little bit um, yeah yeah that's okay we're just hanging out too yeah we're just just guys being dudes uh dune dune we didn't talk about dune on here no we didn't oh okay yeah we love dune yeah dune's fucking great yeah um Um, i had a little bit of doubt going in frankly because I don't love everything Denis Villeneuve's ever done, but he made a Blade Runner sequel work. So how could I not at least check it out? And boy, howdy, am I glad I did, because it is an incredible experience in IMAX. And again, that's I saw several movies in, in the theater recently, and I was like, yeah, movie theaters rock. They do. Maybe, don't, maybe don't put it on people and have it be a discourse and 
maybe we should fight for government funding to keep theaters alive regardless but that's another that's a whole they could do a whole podcast now gotta buy more fucks over the arts but um yes dune is great talk (laughs) yeah it's a longer talk dune Dune (laughs) is is great um i also saw it on hbo max again so it's uh i i would vouch for like the all experiences my preferred experience for big movies like that is definitely the theater though because you just like the sense of scale is so vastly different the sound is is really amazing and i'll talk about sound in a second versus visuals for one more movie that i want to bring up which is not a new movie and if you follow me on twitter and, and letterbox you know exactly what i'm going to bring up right now um but uh dune uh any any thoughts you want to like explore with it because it is half a movie and then we can move on to like final recommendations or discussion topics Oh, I, I just think it was it's so well made and it's just, uh, you know, just reading articles and analysis on it, it just feels like the movie of its times where it's about sort of, um, you know, it's this movie about bureaucracy and uh, power and uh, it just really parallels to uh, just, I guess, America and everything and just going over in, you know, another country and, uh, you know, it just felt very timely, I guess. And, you know, the, the greater power feels for the most part. And they have to, yeah, I mean, like Frank Herbert really uh, predicted kind of uh, a lot. So it's just interesting to see. And I, I think there are like, uh, you know, some of we were taught, I was talking to someone last night where the still suits in the book, um, they're explained, but in the movie, they're not. So I think mm-hmm. anyone who really wants to delve into Dune has to read the book, which Still trying to finish myself, but yeah, did you, are you still trying to finish that too? Yeah, but like now, because here's the thing, it was so imposing, and I talk about it on the Dune retrospective I did with, with Matt Garingo, we go over the original David Lynch adaptation, yeah, uh, <laughs> and then the new one, we kind of compare contrast and how there's actually one or two things that I, I really actually prefer in the David Lynch version. And then the other 99.99% of the new Dune is obviously significantly yeah, better. Exactly. Just on every level. It's, well, it's, it's, well, not, it's, one, it's no well, one's fault. Well, there's one aspect that was better in David Lynch. I like the look of the worms more in mm. the original. And Matt like, argued... Uh, practical. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they had to be practical back then. But um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I like the, 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 the tri-mouth thing they got going on. Oh, okay. Um, the new ones not that they were bad in any way or like I didn't not like it I just preferred like I prefer that look like I've had that image of the the tri mouth worm of from Dune in my mind before I had even seen the original Dune movie adaptation you know so like to me it's just like synonymous with that um but the new worms are fantastic especially on the big screen it was just like whoa you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're so yeah. big and uh, Matt argued for Dr. Yue had maybe mm-hmm. more going on in the David Lynch version and I would agree. I just like nothing in that movie works. So it's hard for me to like kind of latch on to that as a positive. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, dude, dude is great. And I kind of understand people maybe being like, but it's only half a movie. Don't you hate that, Diego? And like, yeah, but this yeah. one also is really yeah. good. And I would yeah. argue it told a complete story. It's just kind of a downer ending. I don't know. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back does the same thing, you know. Yeah, I would I would agree with the the ending. I don't know if it's a downer, but it just it just kind of ended like on a limp note. 
Um, for, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's the, kind of the, the, the thing. It's like, it's such a big movie and then it ends like really quietly. Like, okay, your path leads yeah. into the desert. I mean, spoilers, but it, it's half a movie. I, I don't yeah. think. I, you know, yeah. if it just had something more, um, not, I would say, I guess just more dramatic, like uh, prime example, uh, Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows part one ends with Voldemort and the wand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some something to reel you into the second one, which I'm glad that Dune part two is happening. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. America's got Dune fever. I guess so. I guess so. Because even my my mother, notorious sci-fi hater, was like, when's the second one coming out? And I was like, fuck, they 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 did it. They got her. <laughs> they they did it. They got it to the general public, you know. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, it, it's really good. And to your to your note about the Frank Herbert stuff, here's something really depressing is that he I mean, without even like having too much knowledge of, of the book, he apparently did base a lot of the stuff, obviously, on like Middle Eastern culture. So there's always going to be like a hovering white perspective over everything. Right. It's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. If that's like a deal breaker for someone, totally get it. Neither of us are Mena. Right. We're not we don't we don't have um, any cultural background or heritage from that area. So we, we can't speak to that again. If that's a deal breaker for someone, totally get it. Um, but Frank Herbert did like write it basically as like, like you said, like kind of like a foreboding warning of what's to come, but also like what's kind of been going on in the Middle East and how people mm-hmm. have kind of been taking advantage of the the region's resources at the ex, uh, like expendability of its people. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's just um, still doing that. Yeah. yeah Someone exactly. should do something about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. It's not great that it's still relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Certainly not. No. But, no, yeah, no. Very the tune's great. We're, we're, that's like a, such a downer note, but it's like that's like kind the, of what like the about. movie. Yeah, like the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> but anyways, the I got a little off topic because you mentioned like, have I read the book yet? I haven't because the first movie is so like it. It's in, incomprehensible. Yeah, it is straight up. I could not explain what Dune was about for the majority of my life. Now I've seen this movie and I'm like, oh. it's it's not that complicated. It's just like mm-hmm. a lot of like mythology in yeah. it. Yeah, that's why they it's, have. It's not that complicated. Yeah. It's just a story about um, a, a boy coming of age. Coming, it's a coming of age story. It's a story about revolution. It's a story about uh, uh, power. Just story about how worms. how worms, of course. And it's also a story about how like maybe don't put all your faith into an individual. Yeah, which is. I believe what the second half of Dune is going to be about. It's kind of like you might be Paul's, right. You might Paul's be right. fall in the first half, Paul's mm-hmm. rise in the second, and how maybe those nightmare sequences were not unfounded. It's very interesting stuff. I'm totally into reading all the rest of the Dune books now. I will not read God Emperor because the image of the worm human hybrid is the most oh. horrifying thing I've ever seen. And if you want to hear my reaction to the premise of that, go check out the retrospective I did. Because uh, I feel that's like the, Matt that's has a lot to say about that. Does he? It's well, I just fucking it, it's so scary. The thought of that book, God Emperor of Dune, is the most horrifying thing in the world to me. But moving on, mm-hmm. before I start going down that rabbit hole, um, so I need the next Dune to to do good. Okay, let Denis Villeneuve do Dune Messiah if he wants. Yeah. And then end it. Don't we need to let that one bomb? 
doesn't matter how good it is. Yeah. We just need to have a bomb so that we don't get to God Emperor of Dune. Um, yeah, I guess that the last thing, uh, I'll, I'll let you end off with the last thing you want to recommend. I want to talk about our viewing of Thief. Okay. Because it's one of my favorite films. I yeah, think it's one of the best like... directorial debuts of all time. Mm-hmm. South New Beverly, uh, which generally has really great presentation. Amazing sound always. Yeah. Especially with Thief. I was really like, I got really into the soundtrack over the visuals this time because I saw like maybe the worst film print I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And th- this isn't like a huge thing, whatever. Like I, I saw Thief on the big screen. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I got to do that. Yeah. Um, but then instantly when the movie was over, I, my brain kind of flashed back to uh, uh, Michael Mann and Dante Spinotti, the cinematographer, talking with Christopher Nolan at the Academy about like their preferred version of Heat. And it's actually the, the 4K, which I have seen on the big screen as well. And um, it's because what you're able to do with like the DI nowadays and like touch up stuff that you just couldn't with with traditional film processing right like there's 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 ways to experiment with film in like uh even running it through a computer and stuff like that but what you can do now like with the the benefits of 4k technology they they argue that it's never looked better than than this recent upscale and Mm -hmm. i i would agree with them and i would have really have liked to have seen a version of thief that didn't have uh a horrendous red cast over it (laughs) yeah and um basically crush the blacks and the shadows because it's a very dark looking movie and it's like 90 percent at night <laughs> so, uh, yeah but I, that, it's, it's, an, it's whatever i just felt yeah. like kind of praising the the benefits of digital technology that uh if you follow me on twitter you also know i've really gotten into film photography and i'm having a blast but um it's not the only way is all it's yeah. just important to remember that that's my that's the end of my rant for today gene lead us out what do you got Oh, one last recommendation. I was going to uh, go with The Lamb, which I didn't get to talk about. The Lamb is such a sweet little movie, but horrendous ending. So, oh, oh, a, it's bad. No, it's a horrendous ending in the dark places it goes. Oh, okay. I'll leave it like, at oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, do you think I would like it? Because I, I've, I didn't know what to make of it. When I saw the trailer, I was like, I, "Yeah, yeah, I, I think know. I think I think many more people would uh, enjoy it." I think our friend Skyler kept hyping it up, so eventually I saw it. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I think you would. Lamb is uh, Lamb is a fairy tale. Um, I would say very fairy tale esque, especially the grimness of the original fairy tales like Brothers Grimm and all that. So yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's that's good. All right, I'll check it out. And yeah, our friend Skylar at SkyTweet. Um, terrific Twitter follow just in general. Mm-hmm. She's a fantastic writer. She's given both of us great notes and just one of the coolest people uh, in person and online. So go check her out. You know what? She she got to meet uh, Rahul Kohli from cool. uh, Midnight Mass, iZombie, my boy, last mm-hmm. night. Just, just randomly, only in Los Angeles, I guess. But um, I guess so, yeah. I'm incredibly jealous of her because I'm such a huge fan of his. But um, yeah, good for her. Happy birthday, uh, Mr. Coley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was his birthday yesterday, I guess. But um, yeah, I guess I guess that's it. That's it. Thanks for doing this, Gene. We'll, we're going to come back with some more structured episodes coming up. Don't worry. Uh, it's Thanksgiving season, so we always got to riff on that a little bit. And then, of course, Christmas. Who doesn't mm-hmm. love Christmas? Or the it holidays doesn't. in general, because go listen to the 
the eight crazy nights retrospective where i yeah, kind of fumbled i'm gonna ball listen to that. that yeah yeah no it's fun that's a terrible movie but that was a fun episode to record yeah uh gene plugs where can people find you uh you can find me on twitter and instagram gene9892 and you can find me at the diego crespo on twitter check out the waffle press on twitter youtube instagram soundcloud spotify itunes and patreon you can get early access to a couple other stuff we've got cooking up still got some writing coming your way i have a bladed belated delayed belated ted lasso season two thought thing because mm-hmm. i think uh that was really good season television with some speed bumps yeah um and it looks like season three is going to be really really good or at least very interesting uh let's see what else we there, there's a lot there's a lot go check it out the, the the world is your oyster and we are a condiment i don't know <laughs> been professionally unprofessional <laughs> i got nothing <laughs>